Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to Surviving Hollywood. I'm Johnny Diaz. I am Aaron Arnold. I am Austin Arnold. And we just sat down with a really cool guest. Uh, I was excited to uh, meet her. She's a film and TV director. Jennifer. Uh, Jennifer Pong. And uh, I actually was introduced by her through uh, Christine Chambers. Who, friend of the show. Friend of the show. Writer of Boardwalk Empire. She was on our podcast a month or two ago. And she introduced us to Jennifer. Yep. And that's how we know her. Jen. And uh, it was cool because uh, they had worked together on Riverdale, which uh, Christine was working on there as a writer and producer and stuff. Um, and she recommended her as a good source to come on the podcast. And I think she was correct. And what should the audience expect from this podcast? Well, so this, um, so what Jennifer's done is she's actually, she's actually directed a couple features, two of which went to Sundance, one won the jury prize in 2015 called Advantageous, which is on Netflix. Encourage you guys to watch that. And we both uh, watched that before this interview. So the way this podcast is going to start off is us asking her about just some questions we had on Advantageous and what she was going for. And then I think that kind of evolved into, well, how did she get from nothing to Sundance director to now directing some of the hottest TV shows like Riverdale, like The Boys? And then after that, it just evolved more into just natural conversation about her current thoughts on the state of the industry. I don't think she had the answers, all the answers. We didn't have all the answers. Great but, discussion. But it was, a, it was a good discussion. And at the very end, about three quarters of the way through, I asked Jen probably one of the most personal questions about personal for me that I've ever asked a guest before. And how'd that go? She gave a surprising answer. You'll find out. You're gonna have to listen to the podcast to find out. So uh, stay tuned guys, it was a fun one. Um, I hope she'll be back for another time because she's working on some secret projects she didn't want to talk about. We'll, we'll find out next time. So next time she comes on, we'll, we'll talk about it. Anyway, hope you guys enjoy the pod and give it a listen. And a like closer you are the better it'll obviously sound for everybody sound great. yeah <laughs> like um like npr it's exa yeah. exactly and we try to keep our voices really mellow like npr yes yeah. just kidding so um you know actually i met i met christine at a uh, tv academy event so mm -hmm. i'm a member of the tv academy as mm -hmm. an as an actor mm -hmm. and uh they had a uh all, i don't know if maybe you were there possibly they had an almost summer mixer no? Okay. Well, at this summer mixer for the TV Academy, you you were not allowed to take a plus one. It was basically just you that could go. And Johnny was single, so no problem. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, well, you know, I'm not a huge fan of like networking events because you, you, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's not. My, I feel like it's not my strongest suit. He kills it in networking events. I've been with this guy. Great I'm good at carrying a conversation, but sometimes starting one is a little awkward sometimes. I feel you. It's the weirdest. It is weird, right? Yeah. And so I just told myself, all right, my my typical go-to would be to get a drink and just hang on the corner. <laughs> but that's not really... <laughs> totally what you're supposed to do I know. at a networking event. <laughs> not really effective. Um, so I just kind of forced myself to talk to people, and I met Christine there. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, she was awesome. We got yeah. along, and then I met her and a few other writers that she worked with. And uh, we kind of stayed in touch and I kind of messaged her and I was like, hey, look, we have this podcast. It's here to kind of help people that are trying to, you know, get into Hollywood, figure out the inner workings of things. And um, if they want to become a writer or director or actor or whatever, like what's the key to kind of making it in Hollywood? And she's like, love to come in. And I was like, Aww. awesome. She's great. She is. It was, but I mean, television process, the television process. Um, well, we want to know. We want to know those details. <laughs> right. 
Um, um, you want to start? You want to start with that? Sure. Okay. Um, when, okay. Whenever you're feeling. Johnny's been on every procedural uh, cop show on TV. Really? So which that's ones? Not true. But which ones? Which ones? Uh, I've done a couple. I've done a few. I did like Hawaii Five O, NCIS. Speaking of procedurals, uh, you know, one of my first television. You know, so I came through independent film, as you know. So I made some. I've been, I made two features. They were Sundance supported features, and you know, as people probably know, Sundance supports kind of new voices and new ways of um, new kinds of stories that maybe are somewhat under underrepresented. Um, nice. Yeah. Did you notice that when you got the Sundance recognition, you got in, you won? Um, did you notice an instant bump in interest from agents or productions or whatever? Sure. <laughs> um, I mean, I, <laughs> these are funny, funny things to have to answer because I don't know why, but it's just funny. I'm interested. Uh, yeah, no, it sounds, sounds like a good question. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, was it advantageous? That was the first one? Or? So to speak. Um, yeah, yeah, it was advantageous. Um, yeah, it was advantageous, the movie, yes. Good movie. The it, other one, Half-Life, also was before, right? Yeah, okay. Half-Life was very, very first feature. And I mean, I think I can speak volumes to what that was like because it was, insane um but but yeah my very first feature kind of got me on the map in terms of recognition through the indie world and Sundance and and then my second feature which was like a long time later seven years later I'd done another sh couple shorts between the two you know kind of it, it was it was nicely timed with the rise of Netflix and their acquisitions of, of independent films and so that helped a little bit too um well what was timing. what was it like when uh you actually were finishing the feature were you anticipating to send it out to festivals like Sundance and hoping it was going to get in or are you thinking like okay there's some buzz around it how how did that kind of go mm. so like I mean what was my plan um, yeah like so were you already automatically thinking like okay I'm going to submit this to festivals see what happens or were you kind of thinking like I think Sundance might take it or was kind of did it feel like a long shot um it was interesting, just even, I mean, I, I was very agenda-less, to be honest, um, making advantageous the feature. It was weird. It, I, I kind of followed my gut. And I'd made the short version. There's a short film called Advantageous. And um, I'd made it in the interim after my first feature. And it, it just kind of came together in a matter of like a year and a half with some sponsorship from like the PBS and the ITVSs of the world. And they, they embraced the subject, they embraced me, and they supported me in, with some, some financing. And, um, and that, and I guess because the subject itself and the way it was being executed was so uh, special, I guess, and the, the, it, it seemed to gain a life of its own and a lot of momentum, and I was surprised. I was just kind of writing something from my heart that seemed to kind of come out of me really easily. I was living in New York. I felt like I had something to say about access to education and money and race and class and elitism in New York. And um, and so I just kind of put it together and made this short, and then everyone started saying, this is pretty cool. So when that happened, as we were actually in production, the mom, Mina Kim, who's the mother of Samantha Kim, who played Jules, the young girl, turned to me and goes, you know, this could be a feature. You should really consider that. And they were related? Uh, no, so the mom. So just to clarify, Jacqueline is is the person who plays the mom. Yeah. Mina, the person I'm speaking about, is the actual mother of right. Samantha okay. Kim. So, okay. So <laughs> you know, you, you when you're working with a younger actor, you obviously 
often have a parent either around or adjacent or on something. set or something. Yeah. yeah, which is very important actually, and um, and it was wonderful to feel this kind of blessing from her as an Asian American woman. Um, she was basically saying, I'm a mom, and I think that your project, your idea, is extraordinary and valid and needs to be out in the world. And with that, with those words, I felt like there was this blessing, that there's a sense that maybe this is important enough to, um, um, to carry forward. So I just started asking people, do you want to expand this into a feature? And everyone said yes, and so, so we, just did it. we just did it. We raised a little bit more money. We did a huge Kickstarter. Um, San Francisco Film Society came on board to support um, that development. And then even in the process of that, so I was like staged in San Francisco after having left New York and I was just going, I'm going to expand this. And um, Did you shoot in San Francisco or New York? I shot in mostly New York. Okay. Um, in the feed, for the feature, I shot some visual effects plates and lots of different little things in San Francisco. Along the, the, to explain all that, basically I was... I moved back from New York to San Francisco and also did post, like visual effects post in San Francisco for the short and then proceeded to expand everything into a feature, kind of doing a bi-coastal production. Um, so, okay. So Johnny and I uh, yeah. just watched the movie and we uh, loved it. Very watchable on Netflix, um, advantageous. <laughs> but uh, you, you mentioned like all like the different themes that were um, in there and like we noticed some. So the themes that we noticed... It was, um, uh, it was like, uh, well, when I was, uh, when I, we were talking about it briefly before uh, I mentioned, uh, women in the workforce. Mm -hmm. One is that like, there was a sense in the movie too, that they were letting it go because of her, of her age, it was harder for her to find employment because of her age. And they were looking for somebody younger. That's, that's ageism. I mean, there was women and there was ageism. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And then mm -hmm. there was, there was another th thing also, um, that uh, I don't remember the name of the character. He was like the scientist that worked there that he was like kind of the one friend she had at the company. Right, James Urbaniak. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he um, he made a comment to her because she was complaining to him saying like, I can't find a job anywhere. Uh, right. Women can't find jobs anywhere. And he was saying that that was an intentional thing because they were trying to get we need to more get women to be come back home. Mm -hmm. We and need to get the men jobs so that way women can come back home, right? And right, be because they didn't want men homeless on the street they wanted them to be employed that would be safer for the community in a sense yeah the um world, the yeah world. so Everyone. i yeah. exactly so i felt like it, it touched on a lot of different things mm -hmm. now were all those part of the theme you were going for or what was it how was that going? and what themes did we miss you mentioned there's <laughs> yeah. also like a new york theme oh my gosh there's um, so much <laughs> let's unpack dense, let's unpack dense. all of it right now yeah we're happy to that's my favorite thing um, I mean, I don't know where to start, but yeah, well, just working backwards, the New York theme, I mean, New York inspired it because I was living in Washington Heights and traveling, you know, I'd go, I'd travel down the length of the island from Washington Heights to the Upper West Side to Whole Foods, like to, to get the, the food I wanted at Whole Foods. And, it, you know, you get this kind of slice of like different people's, people with different means and different kinds of parenting styles. And if you're an Upper West Side parent, you're if especially an Upper West Side mom. Mom, actually, I'll say both mom and moms and dads, they're extremely hands-on with their with their kids' education, um, to the point where they're always, you know, treating them like adults, but asking them questions, answering questions, just trying to make it this interactive thing. And I, I, I was like, wow, that's really impressive. You have, parenting is a full-time thing where you're just trying to make the, your kid the smartest, the best, as as quickly as possible. And how intense is that? Am I even ready to do that? You know, mm. um, 
And then, you know, there are areas where we would pass through where it felt like parents were exhausted and were just concerned about the kids not dying or not getting into trouble, you know. And so it wasn't as much about that as, as it is about just staying safe. And so just going, okay, this is, this is where everything, this is how everything is. This is, this is where all the injustices lie. They come from circumstance and opportunity, what, what, what's, what's available to people. And, and so, I, so I just was like, oh, this, this kind of sucks. <laughs> and I, I kind of, oh, this is the American dream. Um, so so I, I just kind of felt like I wanted to, it was really easy for me to just kind of capture the idea of what, well, also it kind of related to back back to what my mother had done for me as an immigrant in this country. She had um, come here from during where? from Vietnam during the Vietnam War, mm. and is basically a war survivor. Um, and my father is also kind of a survivor of the Japanese occupation of Malaysia. And so both of them, while they have these kind of while they were drawn towards like a Western education, they also came from a kind of survival mentality. And so, you know, I, I started to understand better why my mom was always stressed out and why my mom, and, and what it really meant for her when she was like trying to make me excel in every moment in school and why she had to go and confront my chemistry teacher when I got a B. You know, it was like, yeah. this, like, <laughs> like this is not just, this you is not fair. You made a mistake. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, what is she doing wrong? Right. You know, just, just like the imperfections were not acceptable to her. Um, and then, I mean, she wasn't like as intense as the, the so-called tiger mom stereotype. Rather, she was more like, Jennifer, you know, you know we made sacrifices so you, had so you could have opportunities whatever you want to do, do it, just be the best. Yeah. Um, and so that, weirdly, I interpreted that to, like, become your director. Seems like it served you yeah. well, you know? Yeah. Somehow, yeah, it was a certain amount of, like, yeah, she definitely was, like, instrumental in kind of protecting my sense of adventure and ability to kind of do something special. So that was kind yeah. of, you feel like that was, was that more or less the overarching thing of the film? Like, it basically a parent willing to do anything for their child to get ahead. Is yeah. that kind of... It was kind of sad, though, once yeah. that she did it. It was then. really sad yeah, when that happened. Yeah, super sad. We don't want to spoil it, but... Yeah, yeah it's it's dark. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's just, yeah, what what is a parent willing to do to kind of protect their kid's future, and why yeah. are we creating a world that where you have to go to such extremes to, to feel to safe? Yeah, to, to protect your kids, because right. in a world where, you know, the rich are extremely rich and the poor are extremely poor, and there's no middle class, like, how do we even just, how do we not create a desperate situation for everybody? Yeah, how do we function? Yeah, how, how do we function? Even, like there was yeah. a homeless girl in the in the movie. Yeah, that was that was creepy almost. Yeah, it was kind of weird. But then it was yeah. like, you know, she'd just been living there and it was just like this kind of, um, now that you're kind of pointing it out, there really wasn't a middle class. Right. Yeah, it's really it just yeah. like, yeah, now I'm thinking about it. I'm like, yeah, there really wasn't. It's just the affluent lunch club. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, it's, the, the attempt yeah. is to kind of make that idea kind of you know, bring that forward to kind of help us decide what we want Here's the thing, <laughs> with so, our world. Besides all that stuff, the movie is uh, very watchable. <laughs> okay. Super watchable. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say your uh, strength is as a director? Like based on the one feature that I've seen, um, the one we just talked about, what's it called? 
advantageous. advantageous. Come on, man. I have an answer. <laughs> I have an answer uh, for uh, what I think like a like a strength, I guess, based on that movie. Oh, I think you do this really well as a director, but I don't know all your work. What would you say your strength is as a director? Mm. Um, that's a great interview Int- question. Interesting, right? Yeah, I'm intrigued. Um, I think that I try to be well-rounded, so that's one of my strengths. Um, but, but you know, I think I'm known to be to have a good working relationship with actors uh, to help them kind of dig deeper. So you're an actors director. I am, good. but I have this kind of special thing where I really understand the world of visual effects. And so it kind of, that's what's led to the work I've been doing. You know, I've been doing a lot of sci-fi with lots of yeah. that are grounded in the boys. interesting characters. Yeah, yeah hottest show right the now. The Expanse, yeah, a lot of stuff like exactly. that. Kind yeah, exactly. Kind of I was say, elevated sci-fi stuff. I was going to say a, a strength is your uh, that you have based on the one feature I've seen you um, you do is world building. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really awesome world that you built. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Better than I could have put it. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I love doing that. I mean, it's, it's it's that's the stuff that really gets me excited. It's just kind of helping figure out rules and you know inventing things and inventing rules and inventing also aesthetics. Like I really appreciated the time I had to help design a city and say, okay, well, this is what the this is what a future city might look like if you wanted to have a culture of excess that, you know, kind of flies in the face of a culture of poverty. You know, here's mm-hmm. all this extra water that we're going to flow down this building while everyone's like kind of looking for water, you know, at right. the same time. You really set your sights with that movie on like some. It wasn't just a movie where you uh, go on a street in Hollywood and you shoot coverage. Like, I mean, that movie had some, you know, you needed to have a certain amount of money to do all that CGI and do all that cool stuff in the movie, right? Some, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like you just didn't go. All right, we're gonna. I'm gonna write a movie that I can definitely shoot on a lesser budget. You were like, I'm gonna write the best or coolest movie I can, and then we're just gonna figure out a way to shoot it. A little bit. It was. It was complicated. It was a little more complex than that. I had a good relationship <laughs> with a visual effects supervisor from my previous work, Half Life, and um, we had connections to a lot of rising independent artists who all wanted to make you know cool shots, and so part of my and my collaborators like you know. My editor was also Sean was Sean Gillian was a really great, you know, editor, but also a really great visual effects artist, and so it was just about people who were kind of working with people who were uh, not exactly Swiss Swiss Army knives, you know, mm-hmm. like Swiss Swiss Army. Um, we you know we could pull out a lot of different skills at different times to 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 elevate the ambitions of something that would normally be like just a kind of a an understated indie film, and. Beyond that, you know, worked with a lot of rising artists who were go, willing to go the extra mile and, you know, work for pizza. You know, it was just like lots <laughs> yeah. of different, it was it was a crazy indie time in San Francisco. So and, yeah. I saw Ken Young was in the movie. Ken Young, uh, yeah. Yeah, did you, mm-hmm. uh, did you guys cast him? Did you have in mind? Did you know him? How did that end you up? You subverted expectations by not giving him one joke. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, it's a, it's a raunchy comedy. I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> He's great. He's he's amazing. Yeah, he wanted to do something different. He really identified with the with the project. He wanted to do something different, meaningful. Um, I mean, Hangover was meaningful in a different way, you know, and, and <laughs> Crazy Rich Asians is meaningful in a different way. But like, this thing was 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 something he, that he felt really close to and understood. And he has two daughters, you know, and so. Did you reach out um, to him, or did you have a relationship with him before? We reached out to him. Um, 
Yeah, we reached out to him through through my agents. My mm-hmm. agents um, came on after the short, but before the feature. That's key, though, right? When you're like trying to like make a movie and you wanted to get some sort of distribution to put like a name in there, right? Um, that's what they say. That's uh, what they that wasn't, say. Uh, that wasn't that uh, wasn't part of what you were thinking. It wasn't. It was weirdly not. I don't. You know. I mean. I, I think every. It's interesting, you know, I've existed inside and straddled the indie and television world for about, you know, five to ten years at this point. Um, it's hard to agree with all the generalizations um, just because it feels like if everyone's doing the same thing, no one stands out. And so um, I think that, yes, it's always nice to have a na- have name recognition. Um, if you've seen my episode of The Boys, you know, you see that name recognition means a lot of different things. It can be for so many reasons. Um, I haven't seen that, but The Boys is like the hottest show on TV right now. It's on Amazon. It's it's what uh, uh, Zack Snyder wanted to do with the DC Universe. It's what Hancock wanted to be. It's like bad people who are superheroes, right? Yeah. Except I hear it's really good, as opposed to Batman versus Superman. Classic, Sorry, what? classic film. Really, Shots fired. I said it's. Uh, I hear the boys is really a really good show, as uh-huh. opposed to like Batman versus Superman. Oh, coffee. <laughs> haven't, seen, haven't seen everything, but it's a good show. I mean, I was happy. I was really honored to even have an opportunity to kind of like go, go. Okay, yes, I'm interested. Um, it was it was beautifully written and based on some really interesting and edgy material, and you know, great. And stuff. you, and you yeah. said that special effects is your forte, or for, for lack of a better word, working with all that digital stuff. Visual, visual effects? Visual yeah. effects, uh-huh. yes. Um, it, ha, tell me how that works, because uh, if you have advice for an actor or a filmmaker, how do you calibrate that? Uh, actors, visual effects, it's, I mean, look, it, it, it becomes second nature for pretty much anybody who, these days. You put a tennis ball up and say, this is your eye line, and go make magic. That oh. is that as yeah. I mean that's intense. I mean that's a really <laughs> good. That's a really Im- amazingly impossible ask for an actor is to kind of act with this this mark over here, right? Yeah, or this random blue face. Um, and so I love it when I see people do amazing <laughs> work, you know, with with nothing. Um, and they they take it seriously, and that's the point. You know, you just can't limit yourself. You can't you have say to I can't do it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 being done. Do it. You yeah. know, um, this is what. You have to use your imagination, damn it. You know, right. and it's, it's, I'm sorry that it's hard, but you try have to. acting, buddy. It's hard. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's been done and it's, it's going to always be done. So it's, it's a, it's kind of cool because, I mean, you see things like Avengers Endgame, right. you see all these really amazing results. You know, you've got people who are just acting with marks and they're amazing. And from a director's perspective, mm-hmm. that visual effects world, how does, do you see all of it in your mind already? And when you're on set, you kind of have an idea of where everything should be? Or how does that work? Um, yes. I mean, it kind of depends on what we're talking about. And there's not, it's not, again, there's no one size fits all, but, uh, you try with advantageous, which is like the hologram will be right here, (laughs) you know, and that's, look at the hologram. What you're seeing is this. Um, and then the aesthetics of that hologram may evolve through the visual effects department, but you have a general idea. I just finished on something in Atlanta and we had... You know, we we knew we were cap- capturing options for VFX, but we also knew what the concept was. So it just kind of depends on. What's the project? Can you say? I think so. Yeah, I was on Star Girl. It was DC Universe's oh, cool. Star Girl? Nice. Yeah, it was. It's gonna be great. I'm really excited about that team and the show and the writing. Just 
going to be really sweet. And that's a new show, right? That's a new show, yeah. I'm not sure how much I can say about it, but it's great. You should look it up. You directed cool. one episode or? Yeah, I just okay. came off in one episode. Super. I've, I, all I can say is it's going to be great. Oh, Totally great. Love Expectation yeah. set. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll yes. tune in. Yes. So when you, when you get... Um, when you come in and direct an episode, I'm always kind of curious how this works. Um, obviously, is it your agent that's pitching you to production to be considered for the show? How do you actually get on to directing an episode of a show? Yeah, do you have to pitch a concept or they just cast you based on your reel and previous work and then you show up and tell them to point the camera? Look. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that easy. The answer is yes. <laughs> um, depends on the show. Um, I just did a pilot, uh, so I had to kind of pitch a concept um, before. But it, when it's for an episode, it's a little more like, here's your past work, here's your reel, um, here me with some people, let's see if this is the right fit for everybody. And this yeah. is stuff your agent is presenting to the producers of the show? or um, Yeah, it's either agents or personal connections. Sometimes I get asked because I had a good experience with a producer and they okay. are on a new show, maybe they're show running something new, and they're like, oh, you want to work with you again? Here's why, and please come work your magic. So it just kind of depends, it's different. What's your best piece of advice for a new filmmaker, even a, a young lady filmmaker, or any filmmaker, anybody who wants to direct in Hollywood? They've been here for a year so far, so they got an apartment, but other than that, <laughs> they want to get into this business. What would you say? Because <laughs> so, you're doing it. You're doing it. You're so where hard. a lot of young people want to be. Yeah, but it, it, yeah. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> it's, it took a while, you know, and I mean, I think. And again, it's kind of, it's almost as if you have to kind of make a choice a little bit about what you're, so what I, uh, so I'll just say, what I did was the crazy thing, which was make two indie features, you know, be a starving artist for five to 10 years and then eventually succeed. You know, it's, and, yeah. but that's, that's not everybody. Overnight and, success. Right. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's not, that's not, every, I also went to film school, you know, it's just, it's, this is such a. What I did do was make work that was relevant, I think. I think that like, you could say that I made relevant work. <laughs> um, and, and that was, that's, I think, it, it's, it's hard because like, some people come at this trade as craftspeople and other people come as artists, if that makes sense. Does, do you, does that what make do you, sense? What yeah. do you feel like you are? Um, I'm both. Okay. And um, I came out. I came as an artist, but I I'm in it as a craftsperson as much as I as, as an artist at this point. I don't know if I get the difference really. Yeah. So artists believe they have a vision and something special to say, right? And yeah. then they create something, right? And craftspeople, depending, may may be like kind of saying building on the. I mean, every, look, everyone's building on, on the, sh they're standing on the shoulders of other giants, always. Everyone is, artists are as well. Um, I think that craftspeople have a sense of, like, literally, like, what it takes. Like, the nuts and bolts and the, the math, the, the, the lenses. The technical aspects of yeah, it. Yeah, the, the, the logistics, the producing, everything. And, and, you know, I build my craft skills over time um, to support my artistic right. vision. But I would say um, that would yeah. every great director is both, right? Because I feel like you have to really understand that stuff to also be a great artist. I, I pretty much there are some people who get away with not, um, and that's okay. Yeah, there are also people who come out come at directing from a writing perspective and and do great things because of 
because they also absorb the technical over time. I mean, so I guess what it is is maybe the advice is build on your strengths and work through that. Okay. I, I see assistant directors becoming great directors. I see cinematographers becoming great directors. I've seen a you know hair hair and makeup artists become an amazing director. You know, it's just mm -hmm. it's just like what is your strength and lean into it and then see where that takes you. It, it sounds random because I don't know if that's like going to always work, but at the same time. You know, I sit and I work with these incredible cinematographers, incredible visual effects artists, stunts people, and they're they're all amazing directors in their own right, and will always and they're all you know actors, writers. They'll all make their own personal work at some point, and it's going to be amazing. And and at the same, and I'm always learning from them. They're learning from me, but you know, it's always like there's just there's just always more to learn. And so I, you know. I, I see visual effects supervisors, stunt coordinators who are at the top of their game, and I go, they're pretty darn comfortable, mm -hmm. you know. Like, yeah. they're they're going to always work, and they're they're, they're there's always going to be demand for them. So it, I guess maybe the advice is kind of like, what are you really interested in? Because there is a bit of a mystique that comes with directing, which is like, oh my god, you're in command, you're you're the one that's like on the running the ship yeah you get all the credit or you get all the blame you know and <laughs> right um and that's good it can be good but there's so much there's a lot more job security to be honest in all these other um jobs and they actually are very well play, paid and they're highly respectable so but you're pushing yeah. boundaries you're you're Me pushing personally? this yeah oh the status quo you're gonna have a point of view no all right. I, I, <laughs> I, was, I was just trying to like redirect what I was saying to what you're trying to say. So so is you're asking what I'm doing? Or I don't know. You're just saying some people get too comfortable. Oh, I wasn't saying they were getting too comfortable. I was saying that they're amazing. What I'm saying is is that even as you're They like just know a, what they're doing. What they're I'm saying is like even if you're a young person trying to figure out what to do with Hollywood and how to become a director, consider like all the trades because they're very cool. Like I again I like met with this I worked with this amazing stunt coordinator and I was like, oh my God your God, and he will always work, you know, forever. And um, and so my point is, is that you know, it's not all writing, directing, producing, and acting. There are some extremely well-paid positions out there that besides um, like that are directing or whatever it might be. Teamsters that have a lot more job security yeah. and, and a lot more comfort. Teamsters and gaffers are amazing. Crafty is important too. Important. Yes, yes. Need the caffeine. So, it's important to like pay the respect to, to all of right. those because without them, I would not exist. Right. You know? Well, the whole yeah. movie wouldn't finish without all these people. So more than yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And it's, yeah. And speaking of craftsmen, and I wanted to ask you this because I asked this selfishly because we made a short film, dark comedy. We're in post production of another short film. When you were fundraising, mm -hmm. is there any nuggets of knowledge that you learned to be a better craftsman in fundraising? Whether that's, and what I'm thinking is, was it more hitting up your friends and family or more hitting up the corporate entities or anything you learned? What kind of corporate entities are you talking about? I'm not sure how you got, I'm not sure exactly how you found Rich people. You, yeah, because you mentioned earlier yeah. about something about PBS. Yeah. And there was something oh. through, um, I can't remember what organization in San Francisco you said that. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I laugh because it's a it's a very long answer, so I'm trying to kind of distill it down to we, its essentials. We love long answers, so um, <laughs> we, have, we have two more hours. Let's, so let's it's okay. keep, keep in mind that like I had been so I have not 
come from nowhere exactly. Like I made my first feature, then hung around during the recession between 2008 and 2015, and like made a couple of shorts. Made my point is I was building without necessarily consciously doing this. I was building a network over time, and smart. with the support, it's not even smart. It's literally like literally just what was happening, right? <laughs> um, so. Again, this is over time, over years, right? So um, ITVS was a supporter because they were supporters from um, the, of the short film. They had funded the short film. Sundance was a supporter of mine because they took they uh, programmed me in in my first feature, Half Life, and they put me in the in their the writers lab. Um, Trebecca was a supporter because they had programmed one of my other shorts. Like and then put me in through one of their indie film programs and you know TFIs with the Tribeca Film Institute. I had like ten institutions that were backing my Kickstarter and helping spread the word. So it was like a massive and even we only made like thirty five thousand dollars, but like that was like still like a massive effort just to kind of reach through every possible network, get everybody to post my Kickstarter. And then also build on that friends, family, and then friends and family of, of our collaborators and the keys, like the DPs, the the actors, everyone participated in just kind of trying to lift this little baby Sharon. film. Wow. Yeah. And the film wasn't very expensive. We didn't we did it for under a million, you know, it was way under a million. And it was it was just out of this like it was literally homegrown, like totally taking a village model. And right. purely for the like it was the purest intention of art I've ever, like, well, I mean, it was just as pure as Half-Life. Everything was, like, super pure. It was like, this is the story we want to make. We're just trying to do it, you know, and and thank you if you can help us. So so when yeah. you when you talk about um, how, like, Tribeca, Sundance, all these places were, you were they were backing you in a sense of mm -hmm. through their writing labs or whatever it was, mm -hmm. did that happen because you had another body of work that you had submitted to them over the years and they got to know you? Is that how they became involved or like how did that? Yeah, weird. You know, I think it, I mean, you really got to, for me, I have to personally thank Sundance for everything. Like it was Shari Frilo who programmed my first feature and she was a, she was a programmer who I'd met through Outfest in LA and she had programmed my first short and out of AFI. So it was just literally like her wanting to give, you know, believing in me and then seeing my short and, you know, seeing my feature and supporting that and just kind of, you know, incrementally just me gaining support over time through, through all the, through, through the, all the networks. Sorry, I'm yeah. like peeking on my caffeine right now. Sorry, so like, we'll um, get you some more right now. Right. So <laughs> it was, it was just, again, long, it was, a, it was a long process. And I, you know, after my first feature, it, it the, the labs, liked that I was daring enough to make something as crazy as Half-Life. And I'm saying it's crazy because it What's was... What's crazy about it? We haven't seen that one. Yeah, yeah, so it's like... It's like a family drama, but it also has animation and visual effects. And it's my first feature, and it was shot on Super 16. It was made for $500,000 or less. And it was a multi-ethnic family, you know, a Eurasian family. And it was about the end of the world, and it was about climate change, and it was about racism, and it was about homophobia. It was about all these things, mm. you wow. know, that, like, most people can't handle, like, digesting in a single hour. Everything Sundance loves. It was, you True. know, um, but it was truly my concerns, and I'd 
always admired, you know, all the work that I'd seen from like the Sundance Channel and said, okay, this is, this stuff is, you can actually make not so much like, you can actually make meaningful work and have people see it. So that's mm-hmm. kind of where my roots were. And so in just in doing that, I, it was kind of crazy that like I said, one day I want to be on the Sundance Channel and then it actually happened, you know, wow. so that's just awesome. kind of like being focused about what I cared about. Is there a place where you can see the film? Yeah, I mean, it was, I think, I think it's online on VOD through like Wolf Releasing or something. And so we just Google it or it'll, yeah, it'll pop up. Yeah, you, when DVDs still existed on Netflix, it was, you could get the DVD on Netflix. <laughs> oh, like with yeah. it, I, I in think the it's mail? still an yeah. option though, isn't it? Yeah, Maybe. I think so. I you haven't tried that. You still have that option to actually yeah. get the DVD in the mail. I hear that's still profitable for them. It takes, really? it takes three to week, three to six weeks to get the DVD, but <laughs> you, you, know. you return it whenever though, whenever that's, you're done. That's true. Really? You got it's one so day to adorable. return it. Yeah. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. That's really cool. So, I mean, I could talk to you about this all day, but like what, how did your career and how did things change for you as soon as that first feature got into Sundance? Like, Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was weird. It was the worst time timing ever when it comes to like acquisitions because it was the, there was, I don't know how old you were at the time, but it was a huge financial crash. It was like the real estate dropped. This was in 2008, around there? Yeah, and so no one was acquiring anything. Um, And so we got this kind of smaller distribution deal. But at the same time, we were traveling with the film everywhere and winning prizes and stuff. And those prizes somehow led to just me starting to be on the map. People mm-hmm. kind of going, okay, there's an interesting filmmaker who's like just, you know, burgeoning, but maybe there's some potential with her. And, yeah. and they, you know, we want, when we would win these jury prizes in random places, that would like lead to more connections. So it was just like this thing where I still had to kind of do another short and then make another feature out of it, but it, but it was what it was, and I had to kind of not have an ego about it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Did you attend all the festivals that you got into, even if they were, like, somewhere far away? Totally. I went okay. to – my favorite memory was going to Heidelberg um, and Mannheim, Heidelberg in Germany. Um, shout out. Shout out to Mannheim, Heidelberg. <laughs> is that the name of the festival? Or yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't know if they still exist, hopefully. Um, but, you know, six days, like – doing Q&As with all these Germans and them going, thank you for making something <laughs> that's so American yet so un-American. Like, yeah. just like, just appreciating the fact that there was an American film that wasn't idiotic. Uh, not to be like, you know. Shots <laughs> fired. I know. But what I really mean is like from the perspective of these people in Heidelberg. progressive American I'm, I'm nervous to show you ours now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just mean that like, it, the fact that it, you know, was feeling, it had feelings. You ours know, is progressive. Yeah. I'm sure it is. It's We're in between. Look, like there's room for all films. <laughs> but I think for them, it was refreshing. Someone's got to program yeah. something, you know? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But so, yeah. so you met a lot of people at all these film festivals. Did you did you make good connections with other filmmakers that, to this day, you still collaborate or work with them in any way? It's, I'd say, no. Like, <laughs> okay. All right. I'd well, say, like. You've heard it here, guys. I'd say. She left them in the dust. <laughs> Instead, it was a lot of personal growth and an understanding of what the, the people are like across the world and how people approach film and television across the world. Okay. Um, it doesn't mean anything really other than I just was happy to have kind of, as a, from a personal and artistic perspective, getting audience feedback internationally was really valuable. 
it just made you understand that every audience was different. Like, for yeah. example, Half-Life played really well in Japan, really well in um, Germany, and really well in, in England. Like, those okay. were places that it was appreciated for whatever reason, you know. And it's because it had a more nuanced, you know, examination of, ex of our existence and, you know, wasn't kind of super easy to digest, like, not too easy to digest, so you had to make you think and... It's philosophical, so yeah. people like that. If an actor uh, comes up to you on set and goes, and you're the writer and producer on this, mm. or writer and director, hey, I think I should do it this way, and you don't think it should be done that way, do you ever have, do you ever like? Oh, um, wait, if a writer, and actor If an actor wants to do their own thing, but you mm. have your specific vision, and it's kind of like your baby, do you, uh, how, how do you do? Deal I mean, with look, that? there's always room for everything. No one person is a total genius as much as they'd like to think they are. Okay, uh, so, so I, that is a truth, and I, I will take that to the grave. No <laughs> single person is a genius. Take that, Kanye. Everybody's a genius. Take or, that or, Einstein. Everybody's a genius, or nobody's a genius. You know what I mean? Like everyone has something to contribute. Like and it. one of our favorite, one of the favorite things, especially you hear in the television industry, which is absolutely true, is that the best idea wins. Now that doesn't mean that you don't try a second best idea <laughs> and it doesn't mean that yours is the best idea nor does it mean that it's the actor's the actor's idea is the best idea it, it just means at some point you'll figure out if it works and why not try it um nice and so that's generally what we do you know we we i'm not saying that i think that there's a, a line where you can't i would not advise every actor to try to get three ideas in one take you know <laughs> what i mean and try to get i would not advise that for pretty much anyone, um, unless they happen to be a producer on the project. Right. Um, but, but I would say that, that especially, especially, I don't know. I mean, there's no, there's no rule, but I think that uh, there's a lot of honor to be given to, to an actor who's done their homework and has, you know, thought about where their, what their backstory is and why they would make the choices they would make. And so, um, it's interesting. It's a really interesting question because the word auteur can be applied in many ways. And in, you know, I mean, I have a specific vision about certain things, but it doesn't mean like um, it applies to everything. I don't know. So, especially when you're making a whole series, it's a really big world. It's not just one world with one rule. Mm, right. You just have to say, listen, buddy, Sundance Jury Award winner. Okay. <laughs> so, do the line. <laughs> <laughs> I would not say that. <laughs> Your people will say it for you. Just kidding. Uh, right. Yeah. Um, Anyways. Talking about that, um, I'm always curious about this, and this is for directors out there that are working on things, and it sounds like you kind of sort of answered it, but let's say they have just finished their first feature or their first couple shorts or whatever it might be, and they're looking to get an agent or someone that's going to be able to try to get them possibly TV work or whatever. How do they even go about doing that? Wait, how does sorry? How does a how does a like a young director young or something director. who's making short films and stuff, but wants to direct the boys and wants to direct right. all like these cool shows? How do and then they probably need an agent if they don't know people. Mm -hmm. um, how does that young director get an agent? It's a question of the ages. I, I it literally just fell in my lap. Like, okay, like I, is it because of the Sundance and it just kind of happened, or like I said, like every single thing I said led to that. Like, okay. I've been around for a while and it just slowly, <laughs> slowly gained legitimacy. Like, like, and I, I think it also, I'm not going to whine about it, but I would say that I don't have the typical face of a director, you know? And so like, 
it doesn't just people go, oh, you look like you can direct something. You know, it's more. But like, what, what does that mean exactly, though? Well, you I know what even, it means. I mean, no, I really, I really don't. Like, I mean, I've, well, if you if you Google director, have you watched? There's this great film out there called Half the Picture. Okay, okay. I was in it. I'm in part of all these amazing film and female directors. Ava DuVernay is in it. Nisha Ganatra is in it. Um, just. Uh, it's just about like literally Google director and you'll see what yeah. I'm talking about. A white male? Is that what you're talking about? Just, a just white, look at all the pictures. Guy. Just look at all the pictures, you okay. know? And that's enough. Like it kind of tells okay. you what a director is to people. Okay. Um, well, it's, it's interesting because I feel like in the last five years, I've worked with tons of female directors and yeah, just people, so like females, here. producers and on the crew, but I haven't really worked a lot, you know, past five years ago. So it's probably a lot different. When oh yeah, before five years ago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean... I'm I'm very happy to hear that you've had a wide range of people to work with. If I've yeah, it's it's definitely been a, through the efforts of folks at Sundance, through the fo folks at Women in Film, and and just a you know people across studios. Like everyone has finally kind of realized that there are perspectives that are valid that are not necessarily ones that you've seen before. For sure. <laughs> um, and and the, actually, there's a certain way that you can direct and also run a set like you direct a film and run a set that 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 changes what we present to our world and and possibly could change the world you know if if we come at things a little bit more holistically and healthily if that makes sense with respect and mutual respect with respect given and given and received across every department and everything, then there's a lot to be gained, just in general. Um, Can't we all just get along? I mean, that's one way. But that, yeah. is, that is the dream. Um, yeah. So then how did it kind of fall in your lap then? You said, we kind of backtrack yeah, on that question. Uh, it, it's, it's not as if it's like unearned. I, I, mean, I, mean, I don't mean it that way. Like what, what happened was uh, I was part of this cool program um, that was being run by this woman. Um, named Michelle Turner Sileo, and it was ca called Film House, and she had this fantastic idea in San Francisco. It was to like bring together aspiring filmmakers who had maybe were mid career or early mid career, give them an office in San Francisco to work on their projects, whether it's a documentary or an indie narrative film. It had to be independent, not studio supported. And, and, and she found me, I'd found her through another producer friend who I was gonna work with and she was a cousin. Long story short, we'd met in New York and I ended up in San Francisco and she said, do you want one of these fellowships, residencies? Mm. Um, and I said, yes, please. Um, <laughs> I will sit down and do my work in your office that you're providing and meet these other filmmakers and learn from each other and give each other feedback and create this community. So that existed, she created it, it existed um, Ted Hope, who now runs Amazon Films, was running the Film Society at the time, and he invited some folks over. They were always special guests, and we'd learn about things. We'd tell, we'd share our stuff with them. One of them happened to be an agent, um, Andrew Rogers, who came, and I showed him my like look reel from my short of Advantageous. Just they set up a meeting. I just showed it to him, and he offered to hang, to help me out and help make the feature. Cool. And then it kind of evolved the relationship into more things. So she kept saying yes. She did not shy away from an opportunity. That's true. That's a really great way of looking at it. It's, it's scary to say that because I'm sure there are opportunities we should shy away from. Well, a lot of people shy away from 
too many opportunities. Opportunity. Yeah. I, I mean, I shy away from this podcast. I'm, hey, hey. I get nervous. Yeah, you're here. I'm, yeah, yet you're I'm here. here. Uh, somehow they dragged me he over here. Yes. We, we Jennifer's said. on her way. I'm like, all right, I guess I got to go. And we, <laughs> and we said match the color of the walls. That's true. Oh, that's okay. Just trying to blend in. Um, actually, yeah. talking about the, the relationship you have with your agent, um, mm-hmm. Because I'm, I'm kind of curious, and, and, and as actors and young filmmakers, I feel like we don't always necessarily understand how this works. Um, from an acting perspective, an agent will typically help somewhat nurture your, your career in terms of like, do this, do this, and try to kind of push you towards roles that might be fit for you. Mm-hmm. How does it work with your agent? Are they, do they, is there like a certain style, obviously, that you do, and are you like into sci-fi? It's a great question. I mean, it's, I don't have the answer yet. Okay. I'm just still kind of navigating that sort of. We're all collaborating. You know, we, I love my agents desperately. Um, they, they just kind of saved my life and like, and, and, you know, they found the fact that they, you know, kind of got behind me. is just kind of crazy. Like, you know, I'm, I'm very specific human being. Um, and so, uh, <laughs> but you got, you got two amazing features that have gone to Sundance. I mean, you, you saved know, their life. Yeah. Fair. So I That's mean, a tough feat. That's a tough feat. You should be a comp, feel accomplished. I, yeah. I don't mean it. to be overly humble. I just mean, it's just, you know, it's, as you said, like maybe five years ago, it, it, it may not have been the same situation. Um, I'm not saying it's perfect now. I'm just saying yeah. it's changing a little bit. It is yeah. a little bit. Thank goodness. Like it, it's, it's cool. Um, hey, sorry, yeah. it's so hot in here, by the way. Yeah. Damn, is anybody else like hot as hell? It's you, uh, st- it's steaming. Are you okay? Do you want to take a no, no? We. Pause? I just want to apologize <laughs> for the LA weather. Apo- apologize cool. publicly. I just came from New Orleans where it was like 90 degrees all the time. Oh, so and you're I was like humid, great. and I was wearing a long sleeve shirt, and so I'm like pretty. Back to that dry California. And, and Fine. Sorry, continue. Um, Sorry. Sure. No, I'm just, I think in my best when I'm completely under duress, like, you know, <laughs> 90 degrees, You're not 100% humidity, hurricane coming. <laughs> yeah. you know, okay. I, that's when I give you my best answers. Um, now, what was your question? <laughs> well, it was, it was kind of just like, how, how is, you said that your agent saved your life in, oh. in terms of how are they kind of like navigating your career? Like, are they helping you like, okay, this is what your reel should look like. This is what we're going to kind of pitch you to. It's a, it's a super team effort. Everyone's just brings a little bit to it. Um, whether it's, um, you know, like helping you understand what the landscape looks like, helping you understand what people hope to get, understand from you, you know, um, creating opportunities, you know, what I really appreciate um, is that at least they listen to, they listen to my concerns pretty carefully, if that makes sense. And they don't try to make me do things that I think are gross. Um, so, uh, so there's that part of it. Um, I think, again, every agent's different. Some are a little bit more like involved and other people are more, you know, just, they say fair, not they say fair, maybe that's not very fair. More like not, just not trying to get you to do anything, and other people are more like, let me, let me see if I can get more information for you. So they're they're kind of information gathering and also helping get you know, helping you kind of s- train you in a way to kind of survive a weird like landscape if it, if the landscape is weird. Surviving know. Hollywood. Exactly. That that's appropriate. <laughs> it's appropriate. <laughs> yeah, it does is a it can be a bit of a survival game. I mean, ideally not, but there are times when it feels like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um I've kind of backtracking a little bit. I know you went to AFI. Mm-hmm. Um American Film Institute. Institute. Um, Ice cream. <laughs> 
Do you? <laughs> it's where small uh, uh, or like up and coming filmmakers go to sell their films. No, that's AFM. Oh, that's AFM. Oh yeah, it's yeah. yeah. AFI. AFI American Film Institute. Oh, dude, you need to know. Come what on, that is. <laughs> come on, man. Um, anyway, no. So going there, do you feel like? The education that you received there was valuable in terms of like, because a lot of people were saying you don't really need to go to film school, you just got to just go do it, right? Yeah, again, I say like no truism that comes out of the filmmaking community is ever true. Okay. Like nothing's so, true. Okay. There's absolutely no rule. Um, a lot of connections that you got out of the school though, at least? Placements? I was really young okay. when I was there and I think I didn't quite fit in. So like there Why were Why didn't you fit in? Because I was 23 everyone was like 30 okay or 40 or 50. so you brought that young yeah. perspective to light to it yeah i was my own version of cool but like i was like you know i was like specific but i'd say that like i'm in touch with a couple of the people from afi and um you know it's somewhat helpful you know but i think that in general like it's just a question it's not actually a question of timing i think it was really interesting for me because i was exposed to what it's like you know, at 23, when you're going to AFI and you're dealing with like people who are big adults, like yeah. there's a different way that they navigate collaboration than you, what you might expect when you're 23. Did they you right. kind of feel like, well, I'm not going to take direction from you. Like I'm like 10 years older than you. Is that, did ever that? There's a little bit of patronizing in any in environment where they think that you're younger and right. less experienced. Less experienced. Yeah. There's always going to be that. In, in hindsight, if you had to go back, would you go back, go to film school? I'm glad I did. Okay. I'm really glad I did um, for all the reasons because I was, it gave me like a, uh, like a place to spring from, you know. It's a, a foundation. It's, foundation is a great word. But also just, yeah, just understanding of like how you, you have to be able to, uh, as you survive Hollywood, you have to kind of understand that there's a myriad of personalities out there because this is a pretty random city where everybody ends up and you don't really know who anybody is. So, so there's that, you kind of get a kind of a crash course in personalities. Mm. Cool. Amen. Cool. Yeah. Audience questions. We have, we have some audience, we have questions. Some audience questions. If we you'd indulge us. Of course. And okay. the audience. Let's pick the top ones. Let's pick like top two. Okay. Top two. Um, let's see. Well, <laughs> uh, just two. we touched on these a lot. <laughs> um, okay. You know what? I snuck one of my questions in here. I'm not going <laughs> okay. to pretend it's for an audience member. And I almost wasn't going to ask it because it's very specific. It's kind of weird. I feel we've bonded here, Jen, maybe. So please. <laughs> and this is something that I'm wondering no. because. <laughs> and that's our time, guys. <laughs> um, because I, you Just know, get we, to it we, already. We've all, I'm trying to think of how to phrase it. We've all this been, is, no. we've all been co-stars and guest stars on TV shows as mm -hmm. actors. And I'm just redoing my reel right now. And I'm thinking, and I want your take on this. I've worked with directors of TV shows, some on Amazon, um, but I as a co-star and guest star role. So I didn't necessarily bond with those directors. You know, I showed up, did my job. I didn't necessarily bond with them as I would if I was on the show. Mm -hmm. And would you, would you indulge like an actor that maybe sent you something through social media? Like, hey, got a new reel, just wanted to... Uh, like, would does you, that work? Would you be receptive so to that? So you're saying directors you've worked with who have no real connection with, but you're on their show, could you send them your reel and do you think that would be I tried that one time. Exactly. Did and I have a little bit of connection with because I spent yeah. the day with them at least, maybe a couple. Right. Um, Honestly. Like, you know, I'm just trying to think of... It's, it's weird. It's, I definitely feel your 
question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I get a lot of things through social media that and from all kinds of artists places. of all you got, artists. You got emails from me. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's I'm just kidding. no worries. <laughs> but man. an old guest star or co-star that you you know di- were directed once on that old episode of I, Riverdale or so something. So it's not a random. It's not a random. Um, I think this is interesting. It's such a weird answer I have for you. It's almost as if you're stronger not doing it. Because you're too needy. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So I asked you. But so if you don't yeah. do it, you will never see them again unless you get cast in something they're directing. That's that's. It's so weird. It's almost as if like I don't know. <laughs> try, I'm trying to like figure out what I would do. Like I f- I feel like you block. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, from you, if I were you, like, oh, or okay. if I were an actor, please. Be- like, I feel like what's worked is, like, I have a Twitter presence, and so, like, you you find out where they're the most needy, and like, you know, figure that out. So, so for example, so stalk them. Friend, like, so I have good friends. I have had good relationships with people I've worked with. But it, you know we were you know we spent a lot of time together because they were more like stars more than like supporting. But still, it was a really good relation, a good experience, and you stay friends on Twitter, Instagram, or something. Then it just kind of keeps you in their radar and in their you know. Right. So it's better without, to mm-hmm. not send them a reel, basically saying, "Hey, here's my stuff. Put me in something." It's better just to keep a relationship if you if you can. If there's anything to say. Yeah, it's it's a. It's, it's all you know. That's you know. It's, I said that my career took a little while. It's because it has to, it organically evolves, and unfortunately, mm. it takes a while. Yeah. Um, and so, looking for you know, building a community that is not always give me what I need, but more like I can help you. By the way, I'm over here. I have a nice read. You know, it's it's so hard. Like I, I'd say, generally, focusing on your relationship with casting directors is actually very productive. And and also staying present and like I had a really there's there are some people who I've worked with who were co-stars or like, recurring who I will think of for future roles because the collaboration was so pleasant mm. and yeah and even if even if it wasn't perfect it was still it still felt productive and respectful both in all directions it was a good professional working relationship yeah yeah. So, so conveying that respect is like especially is especially helpful and episodic. What yeah. if you, what if on the flip side, if uh, somebody reached out to you via social media and it was like a young director just saying like, "Hey, I saw your movie. Would love to take you to a cup of coffee and just pick your brain." Looking is that something that you would be open to? A mentor situation. Um, you're asking if if an, if an actor wanted a mentor. No, like a young director. Young director wanted a they saw your movie and they were like, "I really love what you did. I really admire you. Would you be up to get coffee and just? I'd love, I'd love to, to pick, pick your brain. Yeah, pick your brain a little bit. So I'll say this now for the record. I hate the word pick your brain. All right, so uh, okay. we both said it. Uh, <laughs> just uh, I'm just saying this for like all eternity, like everywhere. And the reason I'll I hate never it, say it again. I, I don't blame you guys. It's just a thing. But like, it's happened to me. Like infinite times and the feeling is that that literally i just i'm just a very like you see it visually happening sensory person 
And so I literally feel like someone literally asked if they could stab my brain <laughs> with a pick, um, just because it's literally what it sounds like. <laughs> and it's like for free. Like, can I for free stab your brain with a? Well, there's there's coffee involved. Coffee. I mean, yeah. I love coffee. Um, and and often I say yes, even when they use those words, um, because I understand. And I've also been in that position where I've needed to get mentorship. Um, it's always helped. And it generally helps when you're getting uh, you're getting advice, mentors through a little bit of more official channels. Sure. Because then there's just kind of a win-win all around. Um, the the filmmaker gets to create a relationship with this organization, and at the same time, like feel like they're doing something that can like be understood as a big thing. Whereas a slightly more informal relationship feels like. It's like a negative win, if that makes sense, because of time being so precious for filmmakers in general, because our yeah. literally like every moment of our day could be filled with struggling and making something better, progressing our careers. So so it helps, like especially through women in film or like Project Involved was a huge thing for me. Have you heard of it? I haven't heard of it, no. Okay. I mean, as it, it supports filmmakers, like, you know, directors, DPs, producers, editors um but it you know it's through film independent and um they put they used to put on the la film festival um and they put on the spirit awards but they were also integral and yet another organization that supported my kickstarter um when i was just coming out of film school i became a mentee and i was brought to like a i was allowed to be shadowing on a set um, mm. that forrest whitaker was producing this, this film cool. called force uh uh sorry green dragon and and the point is is that that gave that gave me a lot of exposure really fast, but the mentorship that came through that was all through the organization, and and that's why it happened. If that yeah. makes sense. So yeah, yeah. It, it kind of organically happened, and it was more of an official thing. It wasn't you know, just like you just met some random person and. Right. It was. A, well, I literally applied to the program. Oh, okay. Okay. And okay. and being at AFI helped me get into that program. Okay. If that makes sense. And this was fresh out of college. Fresh out of AFI. Okay. So AFI led to me being part of this project involved thing okay. that lasted about less than a year where I was able to get access to some sets and like shadow these indie directors and like learn the lay of the land a little bit and then just give, you know, I shared with him my feature. He told me it kind of needed work, you know, it was like, yeah. it's like that was a bit of a mentorship and it was awesome. Um, the point is, is that, you know, that it, it's 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 important to help find make it a two-way relationship and coffee is something but it isn't a lot if your time is super precious which is why when you call kevin smith or you know whatever the russo brothers or something you're not going to necessarily get a response well coffee is like, like the thing you like that's the least amount of time out of other things you could do like dinner or event it's like oh coffee could take like 10 minutes that's true but you're but i think maybe we care about meaningful giving you our Conver best. conversation and i think you end up getting that. for sure yeah because yeah. if you're going to meet somebody for coffee like you're not going to be there for five minutes like why meet them at all <laughs> you hey, know what i mean done with right. my espresso. you're going to at least you're going to if but you're going you know you're like, gonna spend like time literally with them. I, i'm sitting here with you guys i'm like like this we, is going to be three hours and i'm okay with that yeah, yeah. You know? we um, didn't buy you the coffee now i feel yeah. bad about that no no um i owe you but, <laughs> <laughs> but you're joining us on this conversation which is well, really cool no worries and it's it's yeah i mean i guess yeah so i mean just practically speaking actually literally saying i will buy you dinner actually <laughs> does sound like it would be 
more productive just because literally you get a free meal out of it and they don't have to think about what to make for dinner (laughs) (laughs) they just like i will i will buy you dinner sounds like a me too uh, it also sounds like yeah exactly like a little bit well that's a good that's a good point Lunch, maybe, yeah. or... Maybe just don't contact them. Late lunch. Yeah, that too. Maybe that just avoid the... <laughs> that's true. Deanna. That's really funny. Yeah, it's, it sucks that dinner is so weirdly, like, loaded. Yeah. I don't get that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of what it's turned into, but... Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, well, where are you from originally? Originally born in Berkeley, California. Okay. Yeah. Um, my Did you always know parents, you wanted to be a filmmaker? Uh, always. Uh, from... Probably college. College is when I figured it out. Okay. Yeah. You just like telling stories or what was it? What, who influenced you as a child? Is there certain directors or certain movies that influenced you? Yeah, yeah. Tell us about that. What are your influences? Dang. Um, Ooh, we're, getting, we're getting crazy now. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> um, Tarantino. What a question. Um, I can just, I'm just going to work backwards based on my more recent influences. Um, sure. I'm just trying to like get everybody's names right. Okay, um, pardon me. Like, I was really moved by the work by Su- uh, Suzanne Beer. She um, she did this Danish film called After the Wedding, okay. um, which I want you to check out. It's most it's like especially as actress. Is this a um, more of a recent film? It's not that recent. No. Okay. Uh, but Mads Mikkelsen is in it, and he's okay. like the Hannibal. Guy. Oh yeah. He's um he's great in uh he's great in so many movies but uh yeah. I remember him Valhalla Rising did you ever see that movie he the Refn directed movie he d- literally doesn't have an in line the whole movie yeah <laughs> and he's the lead yeah and <laughs> he's, he's fantastic in it yes also Doctor Strange but like yes. he he yeah he's incredible and so it's one of his early works earlier I mean he's not like super young in it he just plays this dad type character but but yeah no that's it's beautiful it's just a family family drama and okay she's she's it was just beautifully handled and you know i say a lot of european directors do a great job of kind of making women characters if that makes sense female characters who are actually human mm. um as opposed to objects of desire or affection or you know just whatever hate distaste um so any american movie yeah pretty much i yeah. mean i'm just joking but like it, <laughs> but 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 definitely if you actually look at especially in the 90s in the early right. oddities you'll see that that the cross-section of films in europe are just, just a little bit more evolved and when it comes to the perspectives on women um because i don't know i don't know why but um they're more cultured i don't know i don't know um so so yeah but then before that scorsese of course was a huge and um, also Kislowski did the Three Colors trilogy. Um, what Scorsese movie really like does it for you? It's like I wish I could make a movie like that. I think it was at first it was Taxi Driver. Great movie. Yeah, N- never heard of it. Never heard of it. <laughs> Good, you should check it out. Okay. It's on Netflix. Uh, Netflix. Netflix. Um, and then it actually, weirdly, was Last Temptation of Christ. It was, it's not like a, people don't really get that that movie is good, but it really is quite good. Um, it, it's never just seen super it. smart. I, yeah, I didn't see it. Yeah. I heard of it, but I never saw it. Yeah, it was super controversial because of the portrayal of Christ. But beyond that, like, even if you're whatever religion you are, which I, I have zero claims, um, it did a great job of humanizing this idea, humanizing the idea of Jesus Christ. It's like, oh, he was a man? What? Oh, he's a man? Okay. So, <laughs> wait. So, oh, he made this choice that was 
Really intense? Okay, interesting. Mm. Th- what would it take to make that choice to listen to God and take the... That's, that's, a, that's really hard. So you can kind of like buy into like that frame of mind more because you've humanized an icon, if that makes sense. And, and that's like my favorite thing about it is that you took this... You took this this super famous idea, this like super big deal, and made it human. Yeah. And I think that's probably why it was so inspiring. And also, he has really inter- interesting camera technique, and the soundtrack was really interesting too. Nice. Did you see uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Have not. Need to. Did you oh. see it? Yeah, I saw it. But I was wondering your take as a director. Um, just because I thought you might have seen it. I could talk about other Tarantino movies, but I did not watch that What's one. What's your yet. favorite Tarantino? Or least oh, favorite. This is scary. It's scary to answer this question. <laughs> yeah. I, I have zero. I can't say there was any least favorite because I I just appreciate that he tries to do things that are different. Sure, um, for sure. So I mean, I actually really appreciate Django and Change. I love that movie. Um, it's a great, great really, film. Yeah, I thought that was kind of intense. A lot of funny. Very funny. Very funny. Very radical, and you know, I appreciated that. Um, and then yeah. Reservoir Dogs is pretty cool. Like it's like every movie Timeless. is done. Oh, it's good. It's good. Yeah, it's a cool <laughs> movie. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty inspired. Yeah, it was like the beginning of independent film almost. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there was a lot of. You know, he was kind of groundbreaking. He was groundbreaking at the time. Yeah. Probably still is. Pulp Fiction changed the game. Anyways, we got another yeah. question. Uh, I mean, yeah, they're not uh, some we went over. Like so, like somebody asked. Uh, this uh, is the last one. So make it good. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody asked. Uh, Oh yeah, okay. When Did sign- you write this one too? No, this one's from <laughs> a- Ali B. Um, when signing on to a film, TV show, anything, how important to you is an inclusion writer? Ooh. Oh, uh, here we go. Gosh, darn Does anybody it. actually do <laughs> that? The, the, what's her name? Was the Whoa. first person to bring that up? Three billboards. Yeah, th- uh, I forgot her name. She won an Oscar, right? <laughs> yeah, she's a really great <laughs> actress. I know. Coen Brothers. She's fantastic. She's been in a lot of Can stuff. Fargo. Was it Patricia uh, Arquette? No. Arquette? Uh, no. No, oh, 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 Frances McDormand. Yes, yes. Oh, that's it. She, she's awesome. She's amazing. Yeah. I could not she's believe. She's really good. What an intense person. Um, I it's almost like love Frances McDormand in so many things. Um, so, so yeah. What do I think about inclusion writer? I, I how important is it to you? We don't. What is the exact definition of that? That crew and cast all has to fit a certain like uh, pie chart. There's a certain criteria of some sort, right? Diverse. Yeah, I don't, I've never, I haven't done my research. I appreciate the sentiment very much. But you don't, so you won't insist. I think it's uh, hard to put into actual practice. So, I mean, what if you're doing a period piece? What if you're doing a movie that requires all Asian people or all well, black people? Hamilton did well, the musical and cast anybody that happened, based on talent. That happened in the uh, really the recent okay. film, uh, oh my goodness, I shot not too long ago. It's with uh, the girl from uh, Swarcy Ronan. Yes. Oh, she did Sorsha. a period piece. I'm not sure how you say her first name. Yeah. I, I think it it's Sorsha or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Sorsha. It's spelled yeah. weird. Yeah. Lady, lady, not yeah. The girl from Lady Rare, but she did a period piece uh, where she Atonement. played. Atonement. No, no, she played uh, Elizabeth Queen, Queen of Scott. Mm-hmm. That movie. I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. saw that movie. Queen of Scott. Not yet. Probably a lot uh, of white people, I'd guess. No, but they actually had black people in the film playing royalty, mm-hmm. and it was and like I remember watching it, and I'm like, well, that doesn't really make sense. You know what I mean? 
Um, but the director it took, it took Johnny out of it. He wrote a complaint. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not a complaint. It just, just I, it just wasn't, you know, cause you're watching a period piece in like Ireland, you know what I mean? Or something. Yeah. And it's like, well, I don't know if that's really accurate, but then I was watching the movie and the acting was really great. Um, and then I read later in interviews with the director that that was an actual thing. They specifically wanted these actors for it to be more inclusive. Mm -hmm. They didn't really care that it wasn't necessarily oh my God, yeah. fighting the story. But then I'm like, but then you're kind of changing the story. I don't know. It was, oh, a, really, yeah. it was a really weird line. I, I don't know how to handle that, you know? You have to kind of decide for yourself what cinema is, what storytelling is, and why you want it to be the way it is. Yeah. And... Um, a lot of people, especially with Marvel movies or, or, or yeah, sci-fi superhero stuff, they hate it when you have suddenly you've changed the character, changed the character from a male to a female, or they hate it when you've changed it from uh, wow. white to black, or yeah. they hate it when you you know, and it, it just reflects a certain like mentality of like this is how my world is, and I don't want that world to be different. And um, when you look at history and you go, okay, Queen of Scots, there's no way, there's no possible way that there could be a black person in royalty. Sure, but then then here's a world where like here's a world where we decide that actors are actors, you know, and yeah, and actors can be in things. And then and then there's the argument which is like, okay, can this kind of actor be in that kind of film? Why doesn't it work both ways? And then you go, well, historically, this is why. And I mean, this is why this is special, and this is why this kind of reverse version of that is not that special. My point is is that this argument is dense and complicated. Yeah. And you have to kind of, or one might consider, um, looking at the issue in a, in a historical context and, and kind of understand. And there's no like right or wrong, wrong, and there's no winning or losing. It's just that people kind of see entertainment in Hollywood as, as if it's a competition and, and people winning and losing. And if we could just kind of let our, let go of that for a fucking second, pardon I, my language. I want to win. <laughs> well, I see that. And, and I'd say that that's not enough. Right, just wanting to win doesn't make you an, a good actor. True. Right, yeah. and so um, it, it, you have to kind of love the process, love the craft, love the work, and be okay that. I mean, bless the bless the executives and the producers and the filmmakers who are basically being activists right now and saying let's change the landscape because yeah. that's a that's a job in itself. It's the opposite of trying to work on your craft. Right, it's the opposite of what we do what we try to do every day, which is figure out how to like be the best, excuse me, the best storyteller that we can be. Um, and so like, you know, that's a, that's a line that I, I have to step in and out of like, okay, I'm an activist for five seconds and then I'm a director for one month and I'm an activist for three hours, you know, it's like, and then, and then I vote the way I vote, you know, I mean, it's all, it's all kind of a mess and there's no, it's hard to say that there's right and wrong. But I mean, to even an try to answer the question about the inclusion writer, I don't know enough. I love the sentiment of um, of of creating a diverse industry. I like that For idea sure. a lot. Um, and I think when I see it happening in front of my eyes on some of the sets I've been on, I go, "This is healthy. Right. This is good. This is good for everybody. Um, it, it reduces entitlement across the board. It reduces the idea that I'm owed my job. Mm -hmm. Instead, you go." okay, we're all going to just do our best, and it's not about who's the son or daughter of whom. It's it's more like, okay, what do we care about? What Why does media play such an important role in society? Well, it's because it actually is, it shapes the world. It shapes our perceptions. It shapes our value systems. Whether we believe it or not, a lot of us believe that we, we're not shaped by television. We believe that we own our own minds. 
but our, our, our consciousnesses are shaped by our religion and shaped by our cultures and it's shaped by the things we watch and read. And so it's okay if the world that, the, you know, the, it's okay. I think it's helpful if a lot of different people are making media just yeah. so it stays a little bit balanced. Well, I know? think it's also your, like just exactly how you said, like people come from different cultures, backgrounds, religions, whatever it is, you're bringing a different perspective to a story. Yeah. And I think that's what the most important part of it is. Like you're bringing yeah. your perspective that someone else might not understand. Right. Um, and that also becomes inclusive to, uh, let's say, for example, as a kid, you know what I mean? I remember there wasn't really like a lot of Latinos on television mm-hmm. or directing that I know of really that's famous or anything like that. Right. So that voice isn't necessarily expressed. So to be, to be able to have these different voices kind of like having their I don't know their hints or their flavor or whatever and whatever project they're working on kind of exuding through these these projects they're working on um it gives you a different perspective as a viewer yeah. you know what I mean and gets your voice more represented which yeah, I think is important exactly it's 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 weirdly sad to say that like uh, there's not enough whatever Asians or Latinos seen and therefore I need to be the one face the we just kind of get one other face out there so that all those racist people can like understand that Asians or Latinos are human too. It's like feels like super basic to have to say that. Like, of course everyone's human too. Right. Of course everyone is just trying to live and survive and cares about the, their fellow human being, as long as you don't hurt them. You know, like that's so basic. But it feels like in our world we actually do need to have that for some reason. Yeah. The, the humanizing of everybody who looks different from you so hard to do but it's 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 a it's a tall ask in some cases but it's super important yeah we got heavy there for a second i like it i love it too (laughs) um are you working on anything right now that you want to share with the audience any plugs i know you just said you maybe weren't supposed to share but working on that project in atlanta no it's on imdb yeah okay cool that exists um (laughs) it's 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 recognized i was yeah um yeah no super excited about stargirl for next year um star girl star girl, girl, girl a girl who is from the stars star yes. girl um and uh i yeah i can't talk about that other thing um not even just with us no <laughs> nobody's gonna hear this anyway no. just kidding um and then there's just i i'm working on something for sci- sci-fi channel in january and february well there's a feature that i can just can't that's talk about yet that's your forte yeah. is this sharknado what 10? can you talk about sharknado 10 <laughs> What can I talk about? Which episode yeah. of the uh, boys did you shoot? In case I ever watched the show, which I want to, which episode did you? Uh, Everybody's <laughs> watching it. I know, um, it's the hottest show. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm very pleased and proud of everyone uh, uh, that it's doing so well, and I'm glad that I believed it would do well, and it did do well. I'm happy about that. Um, and so, yeah, which I episode? did six, six. Episode six. six. Okay. Yeah, it has a, a lot of the character development happens in six. Cool, that yeah. sounds fun. Yeah. Like a lot yeah, of fun. it's a great, fun show. Lots of cool talent involved, and everyone was super sweet. Great. Do you have like some cool indie feature you've written that maybe you're getting ready to kind of um, work on? Nothing to speak of yet. There's something okay. I might hop onto shortly. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Uh, where can the audience find you on social media and send you direct messages? <laughs> Plugs. They're real. Or they're real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, not, don't do, don't not, do that. But not anymore. Just kidding. <laughs> but to, just to see where they can be updated with your work. You they want to follow you. You know, you know what it is? It's hilarious. But here's my piece of advice for regarding reels. Okay. 
you just kind of be really like have your intro sentence be really inviting. And the intro sentence has to be either like super hilarious or really like specific to the person that they're writing to the, in, a, in a non-invasive way. <laughs> so if it's if you if you can like use your humor to your advantage, then do it. Or if you can use your poetry to your advantage and not write something creepy, then do that. <laughs> but it's just about being the sp- specific so that you know that you're not just one of a mass group of emails or texts. That you're right. Of. Yeah. Because it, it's like if we are, then we're not. It don't matter to you. You know. But anyway, at Pong Vantages is is my Twitter account. So it's like P H A N G V A. Just it's like it's like a play on the word advantageous, but Pong Vantages. I blame my boyfriend. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Clever. Yeah. It's good. So Twitter's the best way. It's a good way. Cool. Yeah. All right. Anything else, guys? Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Yeah. This was fun. Thank you for coming. I uh, appreciate your time. And um, yeah, it was, yeah. A, it was fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks for asking all the hard questions. absolutely it's what we do what we do all right guys we will see you guys next time